excited to talk to you on another topic of my podcast today. Please enjoy with me and shout together. In work environment, I and all of us will not be separated from the problem and the problem can get worse until it reaches a crisis. Then, what's the point? First, underline the company's crisis. Do you think it's conflict, public relations, clarification? Yes, it's all interrelated between the case, the parties who give the solution, and how to solve it. Guess what is most important in solving the crisis? What? Yes, communication is the main thing, and also ethics is unavoidable. Ethics in communication, it is a diplomatic language. What do we mean by being diplomatic? Diplomatic language is polite and careful. We use it so people don't feel offended or upset. Some people are quite careful with the words they use because careful is important. You see, a crisis is sensitive situations, emotions are running high and people are restless. There is the potential for conflict if you do or say the wrong thing. Imagine you need to tell your boss about a bad accident. Do you say? There's been a bad accident, you could say this, but it might be too direct. To cushion the blow, you can say something like, It seems that there's been quite a bad accident. How about this? More diplomatic, right? It's an indirect way of introducing something. Perhaps, and maybe are the other common ways to do this. Or you can use apparently like this. Apparently, there's been quite a bad accident. Now, the other thing you hear there is quite. As in, quite a bad accident that minimizes expression. That makes the situation sound less bad than it is. Just by adding words like quiet, rather slight, a little, and a bit, we can be more diplomatic. Okay, another way of diplomacy is to use questions. Imagine what you think someone made a bad decision. We say, you made the lousy decisions. The possibility that the person will react negatively, try to turn it into a question. Are we sure this is the right thing to do? Or maybe someone is trying to decide on a course of action too soon? Wouldn't it be better to talk about this a bit more? More diplomatic, right? Okay, but do we have to be diplomatic all the time? Of course not. Diplomatic language can be somewhat indirect. Sometimes we need to convey a sense of urgency or give very clear instructions. Imagine you come face to face with an employee after a major accident and you don't want him to speak to the media. You can be diplomatic and say, it might not be a good idea to talk to the media. In this case, you have to be direct and say, don't talk to the media. This is what is called imperative. It's sentences that don't have a subject used for comments like fix the problem or tell me what happened. The imperative is direct. Is that allowed? Yes, of course. Direct language is also important when you give instructions. You have to be clear and say, first inspect the machine, then fix any problems you find and file a report. The instructions are very clear and that frankly direct. So. When should you be diplomatic and when should you be direct? Yeah, right? You need to assess the situations and determine which one is best. Diplomatic language can protect people's feelings. It can also avoid conflict and build trust. It's all possible very important in crisis. 
On the other hand, direct language can show a sense of urgency and seriousness and can prevent confusion. It's also important in conflict when things have to happen quickly and misunderstanding is not an option. Remember that to be a good crisis manager, you need to adapt your style and strategy to the situation. Okay, now let's look at another implementation of direct language used in the treatment of other people who are not far away in the office world. This is about respect or it could be politeness. First, I would say, do you believe the question, who do you want to be, will determine the success in your career in the future? Then, what's to answer? What is prepared? If you are confused about the answer, you don't have to answer because we have answered it with actions every day. You can believe or not on these questions, but believe in what we reap is what we will get. Which means how we treat things means everything. And this is especially true in the office work environment. Either you treat your boss or colleagues by respecting them, and you being respected and being heard, or you are degrading people by making them feel small, humiliated, and ignored. Whatever you choose, does everything. For whom? For us as well as for others. Have you seen or experienced any instances of disrespect? How rude! This includes many different behaviors, from mocking or belittling someone, telling offensive jokes, to texting in a meeting. Believe me, for one person it may be fine, for another, I don't know. Have you seen or experienced any instances of disrespect? How rude! This includes many different behaviors, from mocking or belittling someone, telling offensive jokes, to texting in meeting. Believe me, for one person it may be fine, for another, I don't know. Take for example, for me, replying to private messages in between important discussion is not polite. But do you think so? Or another example, when your boss says you are not reliable in front of many employees, is that polite? A storyteller tells of his father who suffered from excessive stress for more than a decade due to work. Why? It's because of the boss treatment. It was initially considered an overstatement, but we will never know if we have no witness and experience it ourselves in the world of work. Imagine being shouted at, are you an idiot? That's not how it works. And if I want your opinion, I would ask, is it okay for everyone? Will there be no effect on him or his performance later? Christian Pearson has a theory that small, uncivilized actions can lead to much bigger problems like aggression and violence. We believe that impoliteness affects performance and profits. He researched some surveys to business school alumni working in all the different organizations. They asked them to write a few sentences about an experience where they were treated rudely, disrespectfully, and how they reacted. And what they found was that disrespect makes people less motivated. 66% reduces work's effort, 80% loses time worrying about what's going on, and 12% leaves their jobs. They estimate that immodesty costs them $12 million a year. Then the comparison result that those who experience incivility function much worse than those who do not. Then, what do you think? You might think, this makes sense, after all it's natural for their performance to decrease. It's because you only see or hear it. Let's take another study in which an experimenter acted rudely to someone who came late to the study. The instructor said, what's wrong with you? 
You came late, you're irresponsible. Look at you, how did you expect to get a job in the real world? Interesting, it proves that the performance of people who just look at it has also decreased. And not just a little. Incivility is a bug, it's contagious, and we become carriers of it just by being around it. It affects our emotions, our emotivations, our performance, and how we treat others. It can even take away some of our brain power, and it can happen even we only see or read rants. Whereas people who get rants are five times more likely to miss information right in front of them on a computer screen. Those who read rants took longer to make decisions, record decisions, and made significantly more mistakes. This can be a big problem in the world of work when dealing with bosses as well as trading colleges. Steve, a doctor, told of a doctor who was never respectful, especially to the junior staff and nurses. This doctor shouted at a medical team right after the interaction. The team administered the wrong dose of the drug to the patient. Steve said that the information was on the chart, but somehow everyone on the team missed it. It's a simple mistake, isn't it? No, the patient died. This leaves employees traumatized and overstressed because teams exposed the rudeness to share information immediately and they stop seeking help from their teammates. So, we can say that indecency has a huge cause. Why do we still see it? The number one reason is stress. People feel overwhelmed. Another reason is that they are skeptical and even worried about being polite. They believe that they will appear less like a leader. Aren't you surprised? The funny thing is, there are questions like Are good people coming to an end soon? Or is the joke going any further? <laughs> I'm a little confused about the answer, but I highlight the statement that people who are rude with the excuse of being a firm leader are to be feared by employers. Research by Morgan Mikkel and Michael Lombardo while they were at the Center for Creative Leadership. They found that the number one reason associated with executive failure was insensitive, rude, or intimidating style. Sooner or later, most uncivilized people sabotage success, but distinguish between assertiveness and rudeness. Then, what about polite people? Are they coming to an end? No. Will politeness pay off? Yes. Being polite doesn't just mean you're not a jerk. Being completely civilized means doing little things like smiling, saying hello, listening fully when someone talks to you, and respecting your subordinates. Why does courtesy pay? Because people see you as a uniquely important and powerful combination of two main characteristics. Warm and competent, friendly and intelligent. If you are polite, you will be seen as a leader, you will perform better, and you will appear warm and competent. There is one of the most important questions about leadership. What do people want most from their leaders? The most common answer from a study of 20,000 employees is respect. Being treated with respect is more important than recognition and appreciation, useful feedback, even opportunities to learn. Those who feel respected are healthier, more focused, more likely to stay with the organization, and much more likely to perform well. Has your heart been moved to respect and appreciate employees more? It doesn't require any major changes. 
Small things can make a big difference. Start by thanking others, sharing compliments, listening attentively, asking questions humbly, acknowledging others, and smiling. Politeness creates employee satisfaction score increase. Courtesy and respect can be used to improve organizational performance. Subcompany In 2001, the company's market share fell by half. Sales are down, lots of people have just been laid off. A Gallup's manager said it was the least engaged organization that had surveyed. The more headquarters like office were surrounded by a barbed wire fence. There is a guard tower in the parking lot. He said it looked like a minimum security prison. It felt toxic. In five years, the company has turned things around, and in nine years, they have set all-time performance records and won accolades, including the best place to work. How they do it? One day, Doug, as a CEO, told his employees that he would have high-performance standards, but they would do so politely. For Doug, it all comes down to being hard-headed by standards and being soft-hearted with people. And if he handles every point of contact well, he will make employees feel valued. Another way to make employees feel valued is to write more thank you notes to employees by hand. Most don't take long, less than 2 minutes each. The key is to be agile and attentive in each of these moments. Politeness makes people live more and function at their best. Immodesty is a way at people and their performance. It robs people of a potential even if they only work around it. What we get is that when we have a more polite environment, we are more productive, creative, helpful, happy, and healthy. Now, till related to politeness, but this seems so vague that we don't realize that this includes politeness or not. This is related to giving certainty to questions or statements of others or yourself. Certainly? Yes, more precisely is confirming the answer explaining the possibility. The possibility here is the meaning of the answer to believe in something that is not possible until it's very possible to happen, such as when we have to face questions that need answers. But we don't know the answer for sure, such as, will it be stock market up? Will you get the job you applied for? And we will answer it with maybe, probably, or reacting frontally. That's enough, I don't know. Oh my god, it can hurt someone and confuse people because we answer consistently and say that quite often. But yes, we don't know the answer. Don't be like that again. Give your colleagues polite and clear answers even if the answers are not correct because they need our confidence in those uncertain answers. So, this is a clue for us to be able to differentiate what kind of answer is right for different types of questions like that. First, if we are quite sure of a question or statements about something, our confidence level is about 80 to 90% use the word probably. Or the other similar words such as fairly certain that something will happen, there's a really good chance, sometimes probably can also be replaced with the word likely because of the similar meaning. Such as it will probably rain is the same as it will likely rain. The second way, if our belief in something isn't in the middle, which is 50% sure it will happen and 50% will not happen, use the words might, 
may or could. Examples such as, I might get a job but I'm not sure, means I might get a job but half the chance I'm not sure I'll get a job. For another example, well, we might see a drop in sales next month. It's meaning that 50% we believe there will be a possibility their sales will fall next month, but it may not go down. Then, Judy could come by this afternoon, but I'm not sure. It's meaning Judy will come this afternoon, but also not sure for some reason. Lastly, if we are sure that something will not happen, we can use doubt. Even if more unsure of what will happen, we can say seriously doubt. We might also say, I don't think we can count on. And if we're sure it won't happen for good reason, can use unlikely. Or even to emphasize that it's very certain that it will not happen, highly unlikely. The word unlikely is used for adverb, such as rain is highly unlikely. Time goes by fast, we've been talking for a long time, right? How? Are your eyes now open to paying attention to treat your colleges better? Or are your eyes now closed because you are sleepy? <laughs> In every interaction, please think, who do you want to be? Let's stop the impoliteness bug and start spreading civility. After all that, it will pay off. Believe me. I hope you guys get points from sharing this time and don't be bored to come back to this podcast channel with me, Zahra, in the next podcast. It's nice to share with you and I hope you have a nice day. Finally, thank you so much. I will say goodbye.